Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, a couple days ago, I did a, a radio show about aging, and of course, this week was my birthday. And uh, so we, we talked about, you know, how I was looking at the alternatives now that I'm 64 years old, and, you know, only one year left at the age of 65, where it's, boom, life's over. And uh, how we're trying to, you know, get a positive perspective as to where you go from that point in your life. And uh, I covered some material that uh, had been sent to me and a book that had been given to me for my birthday. And surprise, surprise, I got massive number of emails back from this. And uh, they're not all exactly the same, but they're in various versions of the, the same theme. Um, I also got a lot of emails this week, strangely enough, about people wanting to make decisions. And one of the things that I found to be interesting is that when people ask me questions about decisions, they go, Dell, should I go right or should I go left? And many times my, my problem with that is, is that neither of those answers are correct. You need to go up, <laughs> not right or left. And it's the same thing true with the, the compounded decisions we make in our life. So as you're a kid, you're 20 years old, I've got some emails here from kids that are 20s, early 20s. They go, what should I do? And they're asking me about alternatives that I wouldn't do. They, they've just got, in other words, somebody said, here's some choices for you. And they're saying, I, I hear you, Dell. I want to get ahead but I've had the choices given to me by people I know. And the choices are all wrong. So I'm going to try to attempt to, I guess is a better way to say it, I'm going to attempt to try to make some sense of some of that stuff. And it really isn't going to make them feel good because it isn't the answer they want to hear. You know, they want to think that one of their choices is the right answer and that they're on the right path. 
And if you tell them that do something completely different than one of their choices, then who knows what they'll do. The first email I'm going to bring up, however, though, is a very, very interesting and I think pretty articulate individual. A gentleman sent me an email about the show. And I'm going to read it pretty much verbatim to you because I don't think I can paraphrase it any better than he's put it here pretty concisely. I'll try to leave out anything that is sycophantish. In other words, stop thanking me for whatever, but this is pretty concise. So let's give it a shot here. It says, um, by the way, this is from Tim. I'm not going to give Tim's last name out, but I don't, Tim's written me so many times before. I don't think he minds me giving out his name. Uh, it said, glad to hear your new attitude about aging on the show this week. I'm close to 67 and in good health. For the past 20 years, right, I've considered my hobby to be anti-aging, not just exercise and nutrition, but supplementation by many hormones and other cutting-edge ideas. So, guys, what kind of supplementations is he talking about? My guess, he's probably taking either testosterone or some other type of synthetic hormone, uh, steroidal hormone, and or growth hormones, both of which... Um, will help you age better. And I will say that I'm not a doctor, and I'm not recommending anything to you, but I will tell you that in my 64 years of age, I have never seen anybody die from steroids, and I've never seen anybody not get results from steroids and beneficial results. Now, I'm sure there's some people like myself, now that I have a very high degree of diabetes, the amount of testosterone I could take has to be cut way back. And by the way, you say, will you take testosterone? Of course I do. After the age of 40, your body stops producing testosterone. And whereas you might have had available to you free-floating testosterone levels uh, of, say, 400 units, whatever they're measuring them by, uh, by the time you're my age, I went in, I had like 50. <laughs> it just isn't going to make it, man. And you want to know why you, you, you have no, no excitement in life. It's, you have no energy, really. And here of late, um, I even t started taking even less to see how low I could go uh, because I injured myself really bad. And I wanted to see if stepping back and not working out so hard and not trying to stay as muscular would do me any good. It's not actually now my shoulder hurts worse and I'm going to have to go and get another surgery on it. Um, I've had surgery on my other shoulder for rotator cuff injury and this one's a rotator cuff injury. I can tell it's exactly the same. But the bottom line is, is that what this gentleman is saying is true. These supplementations work. Not only that, vitamins. Here's my story about vitamins. People say vitamins are just, you pee them out of your body. They're worthless. And my thought as a, as a millionaire is and has been since I was a 20-year-old non-millionaire, was that if I can put the stuff in my body my body knows it needs, it can use what it wants of it and throw the, west, the rest away, then I'd rather err on there being enough of it than err on the side of there not being enough of it. And I know for myself, when if you ever go out and drink and get really drunk and you get up and, you, you know, you, you urinate and you do everything, you're dehydrated, and then you take the right supplements, the supplements pop you back. In fact, I found out if I drink at night and took the supplements before I went to bed, I'd actually feel better in the morning. I know supplementation works in various and sundry degrees. The variability for me to be able to go from 214 pounds and on my wedding day of 2019, let's see, what was it? July 4th, yeah, July 4th, 2019, to two, 
155 pounds by my anniversary a year later. Supplementation works, guys. And now I've dropped back down from 255 down to 235 because I just didn't want to carry the weight because of my diabetes and because of COVID, right? So he goes on and says, like you, I have adapted my physical goals to meet my age. Very good point. Now, instead of trying to get bigger and stronger above all else, I am trying to live as long as possible and as helpful, healthfully, healthfully as possible. Uh, and look, he's darn good for my age. The leading guru on this stuff is David Sinclair, a professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School, and his recent book is Lifespan. So if you guys want to get that, Lifespan by, uh, what's the guy's name? David Sinclair. He goes on and says, after establishing financial independence and making sure we enjoy life, the next much bigger challenge is health. Of course, it's an ultimate future. It's ultimately futile, but the enjoyment of making some progress, working towards that goal can be very fulfilling. It's kind of like dying uh, at the Alamo, going down fighting. I myself have not given up on many of the things that other guys our age have, such as chasing young women and maintaining your muscle. Well, up until, like I said, a few weeks ago when I got scared of COVID and also tore my rotator cuff, I was under the same belief system. There's no reason a guy shouldn't be physically fit and muscular and up into his 70s or 80s. I mean, even if the guy dies. You know, the old saying, you know, live hard and leave a good-looking corpse, that's gone nowadays. With the way medical science today, you should be able to live forever and be in good shape the whole way as long as you exercise, diet, and take supplements, right? He also says he likes to chase young women. I will guarantee you that my wife is 12 years younger than me and I chase her way more than she wants to, I guarantee you. So yes, older men can keep the libido, but it's now more important to avoid injuries and keep going. It's a bit like you being a retired young guy. That's kind of a neat saying. I am now a retired young guy. I'm going to remember that one. That's a good one, isn't it? Let's all say that. I'm not an old guy. I'm a retired young guy. And that I have a few contemporaries who in that I have a few contemporaries who share my position. However, that just makes it more attractive to me. It's also like some of your guests said, they continue to invest because they want to keep moving forward and that's just what they do. So the thought process here, you know, a retired young guy doing something that other people won't do, doing it because it's better to do it than to not do it, uh, making it a hobby to stay alive, all interesting ideas. I liked it when I got it, and I wanted to share it with you. I wrote back to him something, and then he sent me back another one. He said, you know, uh, here's a related issue. Market cycle versus life cycle. There's a lot of talk in the financial markets about where we are in the cycle. Whoop, got to go to break. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm uh, following through in some emails that have been sent to me uh, with some good ideas and some tough questions. And uh, we got cut off going into this, coming out of the last segment, uh, where uh, we had an email from Tim. It's a follow-up email where he's saying, okay, look, let's talk about investing as a relationship to life cycles. And he goes on and says there's a lot of talk about financial markets, about where we are in a cycle at any one time. Of course, most market timers get it wrong, no matter how sophisticated their models. But a person's life cycle is very predictable, and he's going to die. So I think it's far more important to ask when you are, where you are in your life cycle and then where you should be. And then he goes on and explains that the financial industry has told us for years that we should watch our life cycle. And the basic concept that they share with you is that when you're young you can afford to take massive risk. And of course, you have no money, so you need to make very high percentage rates of return. And so they say you can go in the stock market, which in their mind, in most everybody's mind, the stock market is about one of the most risky investments there are out there in the world, right? But they're saying go in, buy, and hold. Don't worry about the ups and the downs and, or the sideway market because you've got time on your side as a young kid. You've got lots of time on your side. Then they say when you're old, you need to stop investing for growth and start investing for income or cash flow because now you're going to need to live off the stuff. And you should completely change your approach and look for low return investments. And I'm saying, I'm trying to think if that's the right way to say it. I don't even think that's the right way to say it. Um, you're looking for investments that the capital gains component, the big bang part, isn't that high anymore. Uh, if you remember my rules of investing, there's three rules. Rule number one, never lose money. I don't think that rule should ever be broken no matter what age you are. Rule number two, uh, there must be cash flow. I don't think you should ever break that rule. I think there should be cash flow in the beginning, cash flow in the middle, and cash flow in the end. But rule number three, you can't get rich slow, becomes less relevant once you're rich. Now think about that for a second. 
So in my life, I'm at the point where I have way more money than I need to survive the rest of my life. There's going to be an endowment to somebody, something, somewhere, money left behind. I could go crazy and spend money and probably still not spend it all. But instead, I keep just investing it wisely and doing whatever I want to do, spending amount that I need to spend to enjoy life the way I want to enjoy it. But the question is, do I need the big bang anymore? And the answer is no, I don't. So when you pick up this thing that Tim's talking about here and you start thinking about this, I have this problem with the the national think, the normal think of how investments should work, saying you have in youth the opportunity to take great losses and bounce back. I don't believe that. I believe in my life, once you decide to lose, once you pull up the flag and go, I don't care, I'll lose, I think you continue to lose. I think once you believe investing is gambling and that it's a hit-and-miss process, I think it's over with. You're going to lose the rest of your life. You either have the mindset there is that which works and there is that which does not work and there is that which is a gamble and that which is not a gamble, or you don't. You have one or the other. So when I used to do the seminar, and I used to write this up on a whiteboard so you're going to have to visualize this for a second. I'd write at the top of the board, there are some investments that are 100% return. And I'd write 100 plus. I said, there's some investments that pay anywhere from 10 to 20% cash flow, plus. There's some investments that pay 1% to 2%, plus. Those are like savings accounts. So at the top, you have a gigantic rehab turnaround apartment complex or business turnaround process where you have 100% return in a year or two, giant capital gain. The second one is you buy a business that's very operable. And that could be apartment complex, could be rent houses, duplexes, fourplexes, or it could be a business, right? It could be a grocery store. It could be any business you want to buy. And it's going to make money. And it's going to pay you a return. And the return can be anywhere from 10 to 20% to be considered a good cash-on-cash return, right? And then beyond that, there is putting your money in savings vehicles, Stuff like CDs, savings accounts, money markets. Or, um, what am I thinking? I said CDs. Okay. So you, you've got bonds. There we go. There's the other one, bonds. And you just let your money sit there and earn interest. Okay? Or you could do go one level next to this. <laughs> and believe me, people still do this. They stick money in their pillow. They have money hidden somewhere. Because they don't want anybody to know they have it. They don't want to pay taxes on it. So their money is hidden, doing nothing, right? And then there's deals out there you know you can lose 10, 15, 20% on. And then there's deals out there you know you can lose 100% on. They're that risky. So what does your financial planner ultimately tell you to do? The financial planner tells you you need to put $1 in each one of those. You need to diversify. And the reason you want to diversify is because my cat got in in the studio. Uh, The reason you want to diversify is because he, the financial planner, doesn't know what works best. 
And if you did know what worked best, if you're young and you knew that that giant capital gains deal looked like this, this is what it's going to look like. This is what you do to get it. This is how it happens. You got to be there. You're young and broke. You have nothing to lose. You have all your life. You have time forever. Get in there and fight that battle. I fought a bunch of those battles with real estate that was so crappy nobody wanted. I mean, dungeon stuff. Class D properties is what I started with. Now, if you're an older person, you got some money, you don't want to start with Class Ds. But when you're young, people give you a Class D. They don't care. They don't want it. All my stuff was owner financed. Because they didn't want it. They wanted to get rid of it. Banks wouldn't finance it. So they don't finance it for me. I made a lot of money that way. And I also made capital gains that way. Big capital gains. I remember one deal. I bought it 20 units. It was 10 duplexes. I bought it for $250,000 with $25,000 down. And two and a half years later, I sold it for $450,000. That's a $200,000 gain. And... I made $2,000 a month positive cash flow every month. So 2,000 times 12 is 24. Two years would be 48. And two and a half years would be something like 50 grand. So I made that plus the capital gain. I made $250,000 on a $25,000 investment. That was, that was the start of my career. Do you understand that? It was those kinds of gains. And I did it over and over and over again. In every one of the places I owned, I just, it was like, you'd never go there. I went there because I grew up in that kind of place. But it just smelled like opportunity. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Austin's Talk 1370. Back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm doing emails and the sort of soft and generalized um, background about what we're doing here today is we're talking about timing in your life and investing. So investing in your life cycle instead of investment into an investment cycle is a theory that a guy brought up to sound pretty good. And uh, I just happened to get a lot of emails this week about that very topic. So I'm going to go with this next one. I'm going to leave off the whole first paragraph because it's just thanking me for creating lifestyles and on and on and on. But let's get right to the meat. It says, as I was listening to your show from yesterday, I wanted to share an additional layer of perspective, something I'm seeing on my end. The sheer number of those in the country above the age of 60 that are living at or below the poverty level is heartbreaking. My generation's plague is notably the whole student loan debt situation, crippling many financially for 10, 20, and even 30 years. What I haven't seen in the headlines and the news stories is how the 60s-plus financial burden is falling in many households onto their kids to support them when their ineffective retirement strategies don't pan out. In fact, it has become a very common conversation within my personal peer group. As our parents' physically, as our parents' physical fitness fails, we're juggling not only our own debts from following the conventional plan, but now covering medical bills, assisted living facility costs, or finding ways for them to psychologically move in with us to curb costs, as they're just plumb out of money. 
The millennial generation gets a lot of heat for still living with mom and dad. Ha, ha, ha. But hearing how high the percentage of elderly living in poverty, I can't help but think we're, significant, we're significantly this may domino down multiple generational lines. Anyone just my musing? Anyway, just my musing I'm watching closely and conversations I'm having to encourage my peers into positive, I'm sorry, into passive income. So she makes a good point here, right? The point is these people, the people, us people, all people, grew up with these failed retirement ideas. That the 401k was going to be the savior of all plights. Uh, the people could work on into their 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, they could work until they die. Um, but the problem with living past, and remember when Social Security was devised, most people didn't left, live past 55. So Social Security kicked in at like 65, <laughs> you know. And so it was a perfect thing. Not very many people lived long enough for it to actually be used. Now, everybody's living past, not everybody, but lots of people. Very high percentage of people live past 65, and they're drawn down on the system. Okay, now I'm not going to get into discussion of whether Social Security is safe or not. That's one of those things you, you go around circles for months on and not really do anything for you because you can't fix it. But what I can say is that you can replace it with something else. And so if you, number one, fell for the lie that college debt was going to make you rich, you lost. That didn't work. Having a college degree has done very little for most people that got one. Now, who did it do well for? I am going to sound prejudiced as heck right here. Are you ready? I hope you just call me and or drown me out with prejudice. Chinese people and Indians. What do you mean by that, Dell? Whenever I meet Indian families, Chinese families, education is of the utmost importance to them. They want their children highly educated, and they just live and beat the crap out of them if they don't. That's psychological beating, of course. And because of it, I see many, many Indians, Iranians, and or Middle Easterners who end up with useful degrees, most of which are in engineering or medicine. That seems to be the two things I see most of them drop into. But I see them, and they're successful. And here they are when they come to me. They go, Dell, look, I, I, I work hard. I like my job, whatever, but I want to retire. Is there any way I can get out of this rat race? And I go, sure, what do you got? Oh, about a million bucks. Okay, <laughs> easy. We can fix that problem. But why do they have a million dollars? Because they got into a job that pays them a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. Secondly, they're conservative. They save their money. They don't live egregiously like a lot of other people. And so a predominance of people that come to me from those two national persuasions are already successful by the time they get to me. They're just looking for the way to cap it all off. But when you look at people that went and got degrees that were useless, I got a sociology, I didn't, I didn't. Somebody said, I got a sociology degree. I got an educational degree. I got this degree. You know, you go out and pay $200,000 to get a college degree, and that's probably expensive for just a regular degree, but if you pay some large amount of money and go into debt for a college degree and you get an education degree, you know what you're gonna be? You're gonna be a teacher. What does a teacher make? 50,000 bucks a year, that's it. You know that from the day you started college. 
Why were you so stupid to think that you needed an education to make 50 grand? You could make more than that driving a truck. So what, I want to be a truck driver. Yeah, well, here's what you do. You drive the truck, save your money, buy real estate, get rich, then be whatever you want to be. Open up your own school. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous, right? But now what's happening is, like she's saying, so these people have come to the end of the road. Those decisions, those wrongfully made decisions, ineffective if you don't like wrong. If you, you think that your college education, you think that all the things you did to be successful, you think that your 401k were all right ideas, then we'll say, yeah, you did the right thing. That was very ineffective because you're not rich and you're not retired. Or if you are retired, you're living very, very poorly. So, my friends, the lady's got a point here. She's got a real point. Let's move on here and see the next one. It says, I'm 25, just got out of the Marine Corps last year and bought a house using my VA loan, new built for $145,000 in Tyler, Texas. My income is VA disability compensation and working as a project manager for a concrete company. So he's got his disability coming in. And he's got a job, all right? I'm okay with that. He bought a reasonably priced home, $145,000, reasonably priced first starter home. In this day and age, it's probably as cheap as you can buy a starter home. I'm kind of okay with that, right? Then he says, but now I'm going to quit my job <laughs> and go back to school to use my VA benefit, right? And he says, here's three questions I have for you. Can I get pre-qualified with a GI Bill and a VA disability compensation, even if it exceeds $2,500 a month? Number one, you can get qualified to buy a mortgage, to buy a home with a mortgage, with whatever income you have coming in as long as you can prove that it's regular and reoccurring. So it doesn't matter where it comes from. Okay? Number two. I currently am pre-qualified for a lender for up to $200,000. What should my next move be to set me up for success in the future? Well, if you are going to go, decide to go back to school, right, do you really need a brand new home? Is that what you really need? Wouldn't it be cheaper to go buy the cheapest one-bedroom apartment you could get, spend all your time studying, and get out of there and buy a home later? Cut your expenses. Why do you want to increase your expenses in life? And by the way, people, I'm going to tell you a secret my dad told me a long time ago that you won't even begin to believe until you actually own a house. And that is, it's not what it costs to buy something. It's what it costs to maintain it. And I'll tell you what, I got a $2,000 a month landscaping crew working out there right now. I got a $400 an hour pump guy out there working on my fountains right now. I've got a, you know, three or $400 a month pool company out there right now with a $10,000 rehab on my pool. Uh, you know, you have no idea all the stuff that goes wrong in the house. I've only lived here 10 years on the house, and stuff's already wearing out, right? It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to this kid. And he's already going to be behind the eight ball. Yeah, they'll pay his school. But he's going to be using up money for that house. Don't do the house right now if you're going to go back to school. Or don't go back to school. One of the two. Uh Third question is, so I cash out, so I cash out refinance primary home after six months and use the money to buy another 
two houses. Dude, I have no idea where you got the idea you could cash out your house after six months. If you're using your VA to buy a home, you're getting a 90 to 95% to 98% loan. There's no money to cash out. I have no idea where you think you're going to get some money. I mean, what equity did you put into the house to be able to cash out? And I, I don't get it. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we've been talking about um, people's financial decisions at different points in their life and how, you know, decisions that are made are so un educated that the decision itself is based on uneducated position of the of the maker of the decision that they end up destroying their life from it so here's another one i'll read to you it said it's a similar type thing again like i found all these came in really close to each other so i could have lumped them all together see what we do with it said i thoroughly enjoyed listening to your radio show every day i wanted to buy my first house and not sure that i need financially to do this at 62 and divorced over 20 years, I managed to buy a home I live in and raised a daughter as a single mom. Okay, so that's her That's her claim to fame. She's divorced for 20 years and she still made it. She's still alive, she still raised her daughter, okay? That's the whole goal of her life. Uh, and I'm not saying that meanly. Don't, I just want you to understand. Look at the focus there. The whole focus on her life was just surviving and raising a daughter. I only acquired credit card debt during this time, which I continue to pay down with my part-time jobs, as in plural. Okay, so we don't know how much money she makes. We don't know what those part-time jobs are. I have some equity in my present home, but still have 30 years left to pay off the modified mortgage. Now, I don't know what modified mortgage means. She says the LTV is at 50%, 50%, and I want to refinance for a lower 3% rate and a 20-year term, all I can afford, to reduce the years of interest. Now, this is an absolutely insane concept. In one sentence, this lady proves to me that she's had massive re-engineering of her brain. Uh, and by the way, she said in her previous years she was a mortgage broker, so that's where she got it. But this is the stupidity of the normal middle-class thought. I'm going to shorten my mortgage, increase my payments, make them as large as I can afford to reduce my mortgage from a 30-year mortgage to a 20-year mortgage. She's 62 years old. She isn't going to live to 92. Who cares if she has a 30, 40, 50, 60, any-year mortgage? Totally doesn't matter, right? So what should she be doing? Well, if she can qualify to refinance, she should be refinancing down to the lowest interest rate possible. I agree with that part. Pulling out as much equity as they will possibly let her pull out so she has money to invest in her next deal. But making that mortgage as long as they'll let it go, which should be 30 years would be my assumption. Why? It makes her payments smaller. She has to create cash flow on the current She's not rich. She doesn't have really high-paying jobs. She needs income, right? 
And by lowering her mortgage payment by taking it back to 30 years at a lower interest rate, that should lower her payment. She should then be in a position to qualify to buy another rental house much easier. And if she can pull that 50% equity out, get any portion of that out of there, she'll have the money to go on and buy another house. She goes on and says, um, I was in the mortgage industry for 25 years, or 25 years ago, but took care of my dying mom for years, took me out of the workforce, thus not being competitive enough to get back in to get reemployed. A lot of things right there. Number one, that's just like the lady wrote us a minute ago. She, taking care of a dying mother has destroyed her. Now, she's raised her daughter, and she took care of her dying mother. She has no man in her life. She's divorced. Now, I want you just to listen to that. Just listen to what kind of a life that is. There's no love, affection, sex, romance, partying, having fun. Everything is about taking care of either the sick mother or the growing up daughter. She's trying to pay off debts that she'll never live to pay. And yet at the same time, the sparkle in her eye says, I would like to buy a rent house. I'd like to do something positive for myself. Three years ago, I I took it upon myself to sell mom's house without hiring a real estate agent. There we go again. Cheap people do cheap things. That probably cost her money because a good realtor will always make up their commissions by getting a much higher price. And closed with a small change uh, change profit of $2,400 for each sibling, five of us included. The hardest part was not receiving any support from any of my four siblings and trying to get my brother out of there, out of her house, so we could get ready. All right? Guys, this has been a pet peeve of mine my entire life. I've seen it happen to a girlfriend I had a long time ago. You should never leave your house to all of your kids. You should never leave your assets to all of your kids. You should divide them up so that each kid gets something you want them to have, but the house goes to one kid. Or the house is demandedly sold and a kid's get Now, this lady's still alive. She's taking care of her. And the very fact that these just rude, ignorant kids brothers and sisters, would make this woman take care of her mother and not give her the house, they should give her the house, not split it five ways. The brother should never live there because all five kids and the mother are paying taxes on that house that the brothers live in. Come on, guys. These are scumbag human beings. You know they are. And who do scumbags hurt the worst? They hurt their family. They always sycophant off their family first. That brother, he should be just drawn a quarter. They'd get him on a post and beat him. What an ignorant young man, or old man if she's 62. She goes on and says, uh, the reverse mortgage was going to be cashing daily into closing. I spent all my energy just to get my tiny inheritance. Um, she should I don't get it. The reverse mortgage, she's too young to get a reverse mortgage. I guess her mother could if the mother's name's on the house could get a reverse mortgage. And so what they did is they got a reverse mortgage. My, my guess, my assumptions, they got a reverse mortgage, pulled out the rest of the equity was in her mom's house and split it up amongst the kids. They should never split that money up amongst the kids. Do you understand why I'm saying that? Because she's the only one taking care of mom. So as you see today, we've got all these other people talking about, you better start thinking about the timing of your life, the timing of your investments. And that... Inevitably, we're all going to get sick. Inevitably, we're all going to die. We're all going to be a burden to someone, or we're not. We're not going to be a burden to anyone because we are going to leave money to them. Your choice. 
Do you want to leave your family a giant burden or do you want to live them an incredible lifestyle? Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. For listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.